I am nomad. No, you're not nomad. You're an alien machine. It doesn't matter which side runs the village. It's run by one side or the other. Oh, certainly. But both sides are becoming identical. Because the owners of this country know the truth. It's called the American dream, because you have to be asleep to believe it. There's a 68.71% chance you're right. Cute. End of line. There's nothing in this world that you can own that I can't take with force, except Bitcoin. Take your sticking paws off me, you damn dirty ape. Euros are going to zero. The yen's going to zero. The Chinese currency's going to zero. It's all going to zero against Bitcoin. Look at these three words written larger than the rest with a special pride never written before or since. Tall words proudly saying, we the people. Then what will happen to us? There's no trace of my money. My office is gone. What will I do? How will I live? Your programming tapes have been altered. You are in error. You are a biological unit. You are imperfect. I am no man. Lovely ladies and gentlemen, lovely. Uh, hope you're all doing well. Hope you stack some sats, uh, some Bitcoin under 20,000 because, man, it moves quick, don't it? Man alive. My goodness. Incredible. It's Nomad 21. Welcome to our little program. Uh, tell your mom, tell your friends, uh, stream it on Fountain or Spotify or Google or Apple or uh, Antenna, uh, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Had the opportunity to speak with the amazingly pro-Bitcoin believer, a veritable Mr. Positivity we all know and love from Bitcoin Toxic Happy Hour, Craig Ship. He is often there. He's there daily, 2 p.m. Eastern time with Publord and Anders, who host the program. Uh, it's on Twitter Spaces, and uh, it's really cool. And uh, they hash it out bit by bit. I'll leave you a couple of seconds to let that sink in. Uh, they hash it out bit by bit on all things Bitcoin. Consummate educators, toxic, happy, um, knowledgeable. Uh, special guests often include the likes of Lawrence Lepard, Max Kaiser, Jeff Booth, uh, and so on and so on. All the uh, who's who's of uh, the Bitcoin world. So highly recommended. Craig Ship, uh, one of the panelists there, and and uh, I. I can't stress enough that you should listen to that every day if you can. 2 p.m. Bitcoin Toxic Happy Hour. I had a terrific time speaking with Craig, and I'm happy to bring his thoughts, wisdom, and opinions on Bitcoin to you here on N21. It's Craig Ship, folks, a uh, Bitcoin pundit whom a lot of you will be familiar with from the ever popular, the always growing, the always exciting Twitter space known as Bitcoin Toxic Happy Hour with Pub Lord and Anders. Uh, Craig, I met you there and uh, we have exchanged ideas from time to time. I know you're there every day. I have a dirty fiat job, so I can't always be there. But uh, I know you take Bitcoin education seriously. Uh, which 
is a recurring theme on Toxic Happy Hour. And uh, you even have your website, craigship.com slash Bitcoin uh, yep. to educate people and, and further the cause. And I also wanted to add this. I think you're probably the best dressed man in the Bitcoin space. Oh, well, thank you very much. But I'm an old guy, old, old guys, you know, dressed a little different than you youngsters. <laughs> well, be careful. I mean, I'm uh, 68. So, you know, I'm one of the. I'm one I of don't ones. know if I'm going to buy that, but you, you sound a lot younger. But if you want to say you're 68, we'll go for it. Yeah, it's just the vodka. It's just that can be vodka. part of your OPSEC. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, off to a beginning note. How how did you end up getting hooked up with uh, Toxic Happy Hour? And uh, I, I just find that a fascinating space. Mm -hmm. Um for many reasons, but just uh, fill me in on how you sort of got hooked up with those. I really don't remember how I stumbled in. I, I guess I was just checking out a few of the spaces and just noodling around. And I just really don't remember how I stumbled across theirs, but I did. And it happens to work out for me because I walk in the afternoon time around that time that they're on the air, two o'clock Eastern time in the United States of America. I, I go for long walks. That's one of my primary means of exercise. And so it worked out because I normally listen to podcasts, which I still do, uh, but it worked out that I could pop in there. And I do enjoy it because there there is a lot of information out there that is not very accurate and not very positive as far as I can tell. And so yeah, I, like to try to, I like to try to counter uh, some of that and try to hopefully steer people in the right direction, especially when it comes to Bitcoin and freedom and, and things that they can do to improve their position as far as those things go. Wonderful. And uh, yeah, I, we'll probably touch on toxic happy hour uh, as we go through this conversation, but uh, I really yeah. uh, find that valuable time, time well spent. Um, Bitcoin rabbit hole story. Do you have, do you have one? <laughs> well, yes. Um, I, snowbird down to florida for 25 years and i'm planning on making that permanent florida because maryland is the state that i was snowbirding back and forth to uh, spending the summers up here and spending the winters down in, in florida and i played tennis with a gentleman from canada and in the very early days of bitcoin he used to watch uh, i guess it was russia today the the show that max kaiser was on Right. And in the very early days of Bitcoin, when when Max was talking about it, he kept bugging me to try to mine Bitcoin. And back then you could do it with a regular computer. And so I kind of I didn't pay much attention to him. And a couple of years went by and he brought it up again. And that was probably around 2013. And. I, I was thinking, wait, this thing is still around because I thought for sure that the government would shut it down. And that's why I really didn't want to get involved in it in the very early days, because I, I said, there's no way that the government is going to allow something to exist that competes with the U.S. dollar. And they're just going to shut this thing down, smash it like a bug. Right. Mm -hmm. And so two years went by and the thing was still alive. And I said, wait, what's going on here? How come this is still around? Because I thought it was a great concept. I just didn't think that they would allow it to survive. And so that's when I started taking a closer look at it. I I didn't end up mining, but I did end up buying some Bitcoin in late 2013. And then I also saw that it was very volatile. So I was trying to time the market and 
sell it when it would spike up and try to buy buy it back when it was lower and try to play that, you know, just not with yeah. leverage, but just trading in and out on the volatility. And then, thank God, uh, it was late 2013, maybe early 2014, that I stumbled across Adam Meister on, on his YouTube channel. And he convinced me to not try to play around with the trading anymore and just to stack Bitcoin and just have a strong hand, not sell it, just, just pile up as much Bitcoin as possible. And back then he said he recommended that you have 21 Bitcoin. And so, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it, it, I'm, I thank God that I listened to him and I didn't continue to trade because I, 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 it's very difficult to come out ahead doing that. Just very, <laughs> very difficult and stressful as well. And so from that point forward, I just started stacking Bitcoin I didn't start talking publicly about Bitcoin until early 2017, before the big run-up started. I guess Bitcoin was around $1,000. And that's when I started kind of talking publicly about it. And as a matter of fact, I had Adam Meister over to my place and we did an interview. We did a YouTube video and uh, that has well over 100,000 views. And it was my dad, who was at the time 90 years old, interviewing Adam Meister about Bitcoin. And so we did that. And then I had him back again a couple months later and I interviewed him. But the one that blew up was the one with my dad, a 90-year-old investor, uh, talking to Adam about uh, Bitcoin. And my dad actually bought Bitcoin and um, he has since passed, uh, but he, he, was, he had a strong hand uh, right until the end. Uh, he didn't sell his Bitcoin. And so... When I hear all these people say that, you know, that this that boomers don't get it and all of this, I'm not so sure I buy that. There was a 90 year old that that got the concept and that bought into it. And of course, I'm not a spring chicken myself and and I've bought into it significantly. So I think anybody of any age, once they take a look at Bitcoin and understand what it's about, they're going to uh, buy into it. Cool. I agree with you um, because I've just recently been uh, looking at some podcast analytics and my numbers are reflecting that there are a significant, uh, it's a significant portion of my audience that is from, I think it was from 55 to 65. And I, I was yeah. surprised by that. Um, and we shouldn't be because, uh, you know, people like you and I have been following this for you know a decent amount of time i got in at the top of 17. a lot and, of people did yeah a yeah, lot of people fomoed in that's right and uh shit coined around for a while too and then got burned uh as as we all did with that uh plummet uh but then i noticed that bitcoin held its value a little bit um better than the shit coins and then it came back to life um slowly yeah, with, and steadily. With Bitcoin, with Bitcoin, you only get burned if you sell. That's right. That's how you yeah. get burned with Bitcoin. And I was listening to a, a popular podcast, and I won't name the name of it. And the gentleman was interviewing somebody and and, and his guest made a comment about Michael Saylor uh, telling people that they should leverage their house, you know, take out a mortgage on their house and buy Bitcoin 
And and he was saying how irresponsible that was to give that advice, because that's basically what he did. He leveraged and bought Bitcoin. Yeah. Yeah. And some of it, you know, at 40,000 plus. Right. And so on. And this gentleman was saying how irresponsible that advice was. And I was thinking to myself, well, wait, what are you talking about? Are you talking about you only had like a two year time horizon? Was that your time horizon? Right. Because yeah. Michael Saylor has always said only buy Bitcoin if you're planning on holding it for 10 years. Yeah. So we won't know if his advice, if people bought at 40,000 or 50,000 or even 60,000, we won't know if that advice is bad advice until 10 years from then. Exactly. So and so what one thing that really burns me up in the Bitcoin community is there are so many people that are short-term thinkers. I mean, and there's so many people that talk about selling their Bitcoin and they talk about when they would sell their Bitcoin. And under what circumstances they would sell their Bitcoin. And to me, if somebody is talking about selling their Bitcoin, they've already lost the battle. Mm -hmm. It's a labor of love, you know, uh, and well, I, no, I agree with no, you on this point. Yeah, because... No, no, no. Let me just make it clear. The reason I'm saying that is the only way you're going to win with Bitcoin is if you're the last man standing and you have the Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Because I've seen too many people sell at what they thought was the top, right? And then later there's and another chase top. it to get back in. Yeah. And 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 it's just it's so early. It's so early in this transition to Bitcoin that if somebody is even thinking about thinking about selling their Bitcoin, mm -hmm. they've already lost. Because it means that there's going to be a point where they're going to sell it for fiat and they're going to be screwed. Yes. And so these are the kinds of things that I like to try to counter because a lot of the people in Toxic Happy Hour, for example, came in like you did around 2017 during the pump, during the big pump. Mm -hmm. And so they haven't been through two full cycles. I think you have to go through two full cycles with Bitcoin mm -hmm. before you really understand that this is a long term play. This isn't something that you think about the next five and 10 years. You think about 20 and 30 years. Yeah. No, I'm there with you. And uh, the few friends that I've managed to orange pill uh, are always hounding and pestering. Like, do you think we should sell it here? Should we sell it there? Yeah. You know, it's like, dude, you don't get it. You don't get it. You're never going to sell it. Why would they you want to? What, what do you want to sell it for? What are you, you going to replace that with? Yeah. They don't realize that this is a pristine asset. Nobody's and ever going to want to sell back to U.S. dollars. This is the only asset that can't be taken away from you. Okay. I've been selling things like crazy on eBay. I just sold a pair of Lucchese boots, you know, for a thousand bucks, right? Mm -hmm. That I don't wear that often. I have a couple of pairs. They're American alligator. They're, you know, really nice boots. I'm, I took that $1,000. I'm going to put that in Bitcoin. Now, what's that going to be worth in 10 years? Mm -hmm. How many pairs of, of high-end boots will I be able to buy in 10 years if I choose to? Because I took that money out of something that is not really gaining value. There, it's They were holding their value because they're San Antonio-made boots that are kind of rare and where, so yeah. on. Yeah, but you know, collectors collect them. But you know, And I've been selling other things, right? that I don't really need, that I don't use that often. I just sold a, a high-end leather jacket um, on eBay as well. I just shared it on my Facebook. I'm, I'm, on my, I'm on my Twitter. 
because I'm just taking that money and I'm converting it into a very hard asset. Okay, that is no freaking joke. All right, this is why I'm doing all of this. This is why I'm taking any extra income I have from my business and putting that into Bitcoin. And it's a one-way valve. It goes into Bitcoin, it doesn't come out. Mm -hmm. And it goes into cold storage, okay? And, and so when I hear people talk about Oh, it's delayed gratification, not never gratification. In other words, in 10 years, I'm going to buy a Lambo or whatever. They're, I don't know what they're thinking about. Yeah. I really don't. I, I, I don't think they understand the significance of this transformation that we're going to go through. If they're it's, even considering selling their Bitcoin. Yeah, it's really, uh, of course, when when I got in, in the frenzy of, of uh, 17, uh, it was all that and, you know, the bells and the whistles and, and you know, speculation, speculation. Uh, my life changed because as a citizen of Canada, uh, I watched a dramatic change in the society uh, coming down from the government and through mass media. Yep. And it, it was crazy. It was like a bad science fiction movie. And uh, I just loaded everything up. Uh, and I actually did the same thing you did, except it was guitars and amplifiers and, and music gear and mm -hmm. sold it, put it into Bitcoin. The change for me, as I learned more and more, going deeper down the rabbit hole, was so profound that as I crossed the border of the US from Canada mm -hmm. in a helicopter, because at the time you could not drive across the border because of the COVID nonsense. Yep. I had 12 seed words in my head and all of my money was secure. Super what cool. a profound yeah. change. And what, yeah. you know, the practicality was, you know, clearly it worked, you know, it was clockwork. It was exactly what Bitcoin was for. And, uh, you know, it's changed my life in so many ways. The positivity, the incentive structure. Uh, and it's really a joy to watch the incentives fall into place. And I wanted to ask you about this because um, the mining world is making big headlines within the Bitcoin universe these days in terms of it monetizing energy. Can you speak mm -hmm. to us with your thoughts on that incentive structure and how profound it is, because I think even a lot of Bitcoiners don't see what's coming. It's going to be huge, don't you think? Well, uh, there, there's, there are a lot of benefits to electrical grids. I mean, anybody that can mine Bitcoin efficiently is going to come out ahead, right? It's just simply a competitive thing where the, the folks that operate the most efficiently are going to earn more Bitcoin, which is the hardest form of money we've ever had, right? Mm -hmm. So obviously, if you run, uh, you know, a, a hydroelectric dam, and you've got surplus energy from time to time, because the grid has varying loads, right, that need mm -hmm. to be put on the grid, depending on whether or not everybody's running their air conditioning or whatever they're doing. And so if you've got surplus energy from time to time, if you can take that energy and convert it into Bitcoin, you're going to have a competitive advantage. Mm -hmm. And anybody that's in the energy business is going to figure this out and, and is they're going to want a competitive advantage because 
if they don't take that competitive advantage, somebody else is going to. Yeah, you'd be a fool right. not to. And it, in it, specifically stranded energy. Sure, sure. In, any form of energy out there that somebody can take, and it, again, it's got to be efficient, right? They have to operate efficiently. Mm -hmm. They can efficiently convert that energy into Bitcoin. They're going to come out ahead. It's simple as that. Because again, we're going back to this is the most pristine asset that we've ever had. People like to have assets that are pristine. Maybe uh, like Michael Saylor's uh, place down in Miami, his waterfront estate, right? That's a pristine piece of real estate, right? Mm -hmm. That is extremely rare and is therefore valuable and desirable, right? Mm -hmm. This is what people want. They want paintings by by the masters, right? They, they want a, a super rare Ferrari, you know, one of 50 made or whatever, uh, because these things are are deemed to be pristine assets. The assets going to be that is going to be the most pristine asset going forward is going to be Bitcoin, and more and more people are going to wake up to that, and so they're going to want to get it any which way they can. I mean, sure, the energy companies and and people you know that can put a uh, water wheel in, you know, they they're, they're in Africa or whatever, and they've got a stream that always flows, and they can put a water wheel in and run a couple of miners. A anybody's going to figure out ways to do this. And what's neat about that is it decentralizes the, the mining operations as more and more people figure this out, and they're all spread all around the world. That's the beauty of this whole Bitcoin thing is it's worldwide. It has an addressable market of you know six billion people with phones, however many have have phones, right? That's the addressable market of this exactly. thing. Exactly. Yeah. And and so these people are going to wake up. I don't think the the anti-Bitcoin folks. I don't think they can count on the fact that people are not going to wake up to this because I think people are going to. That's yeah. my bet. That's my belief. There, there are two reasons why I've pretty much invested everything in Bitcoin. I still have my house paid for, and I'm going to sell my house up here in, in Maryland and put that money in Bitcoin. Uh, my house down in Florida is paid for, and that will not change. But everything else is, is going into Bitcoin. I'm selling things left and right, right? I mean, I'm doing whatever I can to put <laughs> as much in. You're the guy on the empty lot and, with like a and, sweater on. And, and the reason, and and the a reason, smile on your face. Yeah, and the reason that I'm doing it is I've come to two conclusions, and these are the most important things I'll probably say in this podcast. Number one conclusion is the government is not going to be able to successfully shut down Bitcoin. Okay. Period. Full stop. That's done. They can't do it. Okay. Mm -hmm. The second thing is they and others cannot keep people from realizing what this is. They can't, they can't put the genie back in the bottle as far as the education and the knowledge spreading. Though so those two things together mean that us an asset with a fixed supply of 21 million units that have to be able to go around to six billion people, right? Mm -hmm. That tells you something, yeah. right? When you look at the fact that there's going to be 6 billion people trying to get as much Bitcoin as they possibly can, all right, what do you want to do at that point? You want to front run them. That's you right. want to get as yeah. much of that as you can because your time and your energy is always stored in something. You're either going to store it in 
fiat currency, which you know some people do, you're going to store it in your house. You're going to store it in some collectibles, like I mentioned. You're you're gonna you're gonna store your your life energy and your time, which is basically that's what money is. All it is is it's storing your your efforts and your work so that you can use that later on, right? It's a storage device. Mm-hmm. And so as people realize that Bitcoin is the best storage device of your energy, that's where they're going to put their their life's work is into Bitcoin. And and it, th- this thing at this point is not stoppable. It's it, it, it you know and this is what I study all the time is is it growing? Is there still adoption? You just got to keep can your eye that, on that hash rate. You know, it's incredible. Yeah, can can that be stopped, right? So you look mm-hmm. at the number of wallets, you look at you look at all the different data that you can get. And if it is continuing to grow, then we're good. Mm-hmm. Because the supply can't grow. The supply is fixed. That's right. Yeah. It's okay. Stuck. So if the demand increases, therefore the the network is growing, therefore the demand is increasing. Well, what's going to happen? Duh. Right, it's going to get more valuable. The purchasing power of the Bitcoin is going to increase, and so people eventually are going to understand this. And for people that are betting that that will not happen, I think they're going to lose that bet. The Jamie Diamonds of this world that think they can spread FUD and and you know get people to not take this thing seriously, those people I think are going to lose. Yeah, and I think he's just full of shit i think he's saying that uh, by design and you know watch what i do not what i say it's one of those classic well it's cases. a huge threat to those people right they yes. they it's a huge threat and people know this and this is not going to be hard for people to put two and two together and then the other thing that i will say about bitcoin that is kind of unique is you have some really smart people people like michael saylor who he will actually allow you to copy off his paper, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It's like you're it's like you're in a high level college with course, a rocket scientist, and, and you're he's got the smartest guy in in the room sitting right next to you, and he's taking his paper and just giving it to you and saying, "Here, yeah." I mean, so I, I mean, you're I'm doing gonna, the same thing with uh, CraigShip.com/slash/Bitcoin. I, I mean. I'm not going to second guess that guy. No way. Right? No way. I mean, I'm like, so. I, and when you have the smartest people in the world on your project, yes. on your team, it's unbelievable. It's such a good feeling. And we haven't even mentioned the builders. We're building, you know, the whole bear market. What's going on? Everybody thinks. Oh, you by know, the way, I want to I want to get you to stop using that bear market term because that's another thing that 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 bugs the heck out of me. Well, yeah, because it's if been a fourteen been in, year if you've bull been, market. If you've been in Bitcoin long enough, there is no bear market. That's right. Okay. okay? Yeah, and only short. I'll take my lumps. Thinkers, only short term thinkers are worried about the short term price of Bitcoin. Right. Okay. And and for me, two years, three years, that's short term. Sure. So if you're yeah. looking at if you're looking at Bitcoin is way down right now in price, you're comparing it to a price like less than two years ago. Yeah. All right. That's ridiculous. And so, you know, when I hear some of these guys say, um, well, you know, we're, we're in a bear market. I got to be careful what I what I what I do. What I, yeah. You know. So so does that mean when we have a spike in price, you're going to spend your precious Bitcoin? Not what me, sir. What are you saying your, there? your point is well taken, of course. Uh, I, but my point was mm-hmm. the building that's going on when 
people think that you know the media thinks bitcoin is when death. there's not Again. as much hype when there's, there's not, not as, as much, much hype. hype not as much yeah. sound yeah. and fury and <laughs> it's really amazing what they're building these are real uh use case based projects and and life changing and i've always and, believed yes. this you know about halfway down the rabbit hole i began to understand that book bitcoin is the single most important social tool human beings have to protect their freedom and and their rights and oh yes be, yes the builders are reaffirming that and perpetuating that idea with the projects it, that they're putting out and yes and it's all growing see that's the thing and when you have you know, in the 70s, we had that book, uh, Population Bomb or whatever, where they, where they said that there's going to be too many people and everybody's going to starve and all of this. Mm -hmm. And what those people <laughs> don't understand is that the more brain power you put behind a problem that you put towards solving a problem, right? The cumulative brain power that you put against that problem, the more brains you have working on it, the better. And that's why as the population of this globe increases, we get better at everything because it's a cumulative thing. There's You don't know what dude is going to figure out how to do um, fusion, right? And solve the world's energy problem, right? You, you don't know who's going who's gonna to break that, that puzzle, right? right? And so you get all these brilliant people working on these problems and these problems are going to be solved. And that's what we're seeing with Bitcoin is every year there's more people working on this protocol. It's basically Internet money is basically what it is. It's digital money and it's a protocol and everybody can participate in it and people can build apps and people can you know connect to it and so on and so forth. And all these brilliant people are figuring these things out. And, and what's interesting is if you own Bitcoin, you're benefiting from all of that work, even if you do nothing, if you do That's nothing right. at all. Yeah. You just buy the Bitcoin and put it in cold storage, for God's sake. Sit on it, it like a hand. And then don't, you don't, you know, now I am doing things because I have the time to do it. I'm, you know, retirement age. I have the time to put some time into Bitcoin and, and trying to help spread the word and educate some people because I've gotten to the point where I feel like this thing is for real. It, again, it can't be stopped. It's just going to keep growing and so on. So I feel comfortable talking to people about it and recommending that people get involved in it and so forth. And I don't even, very rarely will you ever hear me say, well, and this is not financial advice. Actually, it is financial yeah, advice. That, trust me if you want to save your yeah. freaking ass, you better take these assets that are that are being debased and you better put that in something that's solid like bitcoin yeah and, I, I agree and, and so um yeah i i just really think that that's the key to this whole thing is it continuing to grow and people continuing to learn the truth about bitcoin and about the competing currencies that uh you know that they should probably get the heck out of beautiful well said bitcoin seems to me 
uh, and to a lot of us, to expose truth. It's like a mirror you can hold up to a situation or a given narrative, and it exposes what's in front of it for what it is. Mm -hmm. So uh, with fiat money, we see this happening with quantitative easing and so mm -hmm. on. Yep. Um, as we chase the concept down the proverbial rabbit hole, you know, our mm -hmm. eyes are open to so much more about, you know, the lies we've been told and the things we've been force fed for years and years and years as a, a society. And uh, we, you know, particularly uh, this has crystallized in the last two and a half, three years. Yep. Um, how does it with this quality in mind, how does it help us win? How do we step out from under this colossal foot that is constantly trying to stamp us out? Um, yes. How does the truth of Bitcoin uh, as the single greatest social tool available to humanity, how does it help us? Okay. So if you go back to when the federal income tax was started in these United States of America, Believe it or not, they didn't even have withhold, with, withholding taxes then. People had to voluntarily pay their taxes, right? Mm -hmm. Now, the tax man could come after you. He could figure out that you really weren't, and you know. but that didn't happen that much, really. Really, it was more voluntary. And a lot of people during the war, World War II, you know, they voluntarily paid their taxes because they thought, hey, we need to support the guys. We need to build tanks and all that. Of course, I don't believe in any of that. I don't believe in war. But you know, mm -hmm. they, they voluntarily paid. And so now, fast forward many, many years, we've gotten to the point where nothing's voluntary, where they could just take whatever they want, whenever they want. And, and you government, know, CBDCs on the horizon. Yeah, yeah. And government is has grown out of control. The federal government is out of control. Its spending is totally out of control. And so the way I see it is the only way we're going to solve this problem is with competitive environments emerging. Places like El Salvador, uh, he, he in Bitcoin City down there, he's going to have no property tax, uh, no uh, income tax, no capital gains taxes. It's just going to be a flat uh, sales tax on anything that you buy, and that's going to be relatively low. Mm -hmm. And so you're going to have communities like that that are going to spring up all around the world. And it's going to be very competitive, one community to the next. Communities are going to try to get you to move there with your Bitcoin and live there. They're going to mm -hmm. try to make it attractive to you and so forth. And so what's going to happen is these high tax areas are going to, they're not going to be able to compete. And of course, with Bitcoin, they won't be able to take the money you'll have to give it to them voluntarily, okay? Mm -hmm. Which turns the whole thing on its head. It turns everything around. Right. Right now, they can just take whatever they want, whenever they want. They just make an excuse and they just take it. Or they just spend a whole bunch of money, you know, print it out of thin air and spend a whole bunch of money and there's no accountability or anything. They can't do that with Bitcoin, okay? So Bitcoin is gonna change the entire dynamic to where the, I think governments will be more localized. They'll be much smaller. Each community will determine, you know, what services the people want, and what services they don't want, and the people will voluntarily pay for that. Yeah. And it will, and also personal responsibility 
will rear its ugly head and everybody will have to become more personally responsible. Imagine that, right? Mm -hmm. uh, to where people take care of themselves and they take care of their family and so on and so forth. And they don't rely on, on a big government to do all of that because the big government isn't going to be there. And so I think it's going to take a while for these things to happen. But I think yeah. they're going to happen. I think the key is going to be people voting with their feet, like right. what I'm doing, where I'm selling my house in Maryland. It's become way too socialist. I'm selling my house. I'm moving down to Florida. Florida is a lot freer than Maryland. Now, if Florida Indeed. becomes less free and then I have to move again, I can do that. I can take my Bitcoin with me, like you said. I can take it with me in my head, right? Yeah. And And so... Do you I think, think folks is... like you and I who value, uh, you know, traditional values of, of self-sovereignty, of, of uh, uh, freedom of speech, of amendment rights, all these kinds mm -hmm. of things, do you think yep. we stand a good chance uh, to be able to stay in, uh, say, someplace like Florida? Should you choose to uproot and, and bring yourself here or? I, I, I think I, I think so. I, I think there's again, I think there's going to be competitive forces that, that are going to kind of force that issue. Yeah. These parallel uh, parallel uh, markets and communities, maybe like, for example, the beef initiative that we see so much about on yes. Bitcoin Twitter, right? Yes. Yeah. All these kinds of things are going to happen. And imagine if if you're in a community, they, they tried to do a test community. Uh, I think it was called Celebration Florida outside of Disney World. And they tried to create like a, a community around certain values and certain things. Now, not th that I don't agree with what they were doing there, but it, it's the same concept where you create a community and all of those people th the, have a certain set of values and so forth, and they form a community and they operate in that community. And let's say there's some farmers there that are just selling direct to the people, right? And the right. people are paying in Bitcoin and and you know, and and the cobbler is fixing shoes for people, and the people are paying in Bitcoin. And he, when he goes and he buys something, he's using Bitcoin, and it's all a circular economy, and it's all based on Bitcoin. And again, you're going to need very little in the way of government action because the people are going to be taking care of their own community. And and I think we're going to see more and more of that. Florida is like that. Florida is a lot more efficient than a lot of states as far as their taxes and so forth. They have no uh, state income tax. And even their property taxes are competitive. Uh, their sales tax is competitive. So they're a lot more efficient than a lot of states. And they can still be a lot more efficient than they are right under a bitcoin standard sure. it can only get yeah. better it can only get better and, and so i i think that yes we're going to see all of these things i think it's going to take time now i am not a doom and gloomer like some people in the bitcoin space that they think like you know the end is near like in the next couple of years it's going to be you know unbelievable and they're they're going to force us all to eat bugs and all of these things i i, I don't think it's going to be as as dramatic <laughs> as a transformation as some people talk about I, well they did I, put a bug plant uh one hour down the highway from where i grew up in, in <laughs> yeah i mean there, there, it's happening there's going to be some wild things, but I don't think I don't think the people, especially, for example, the people in Florida, I don't think they're going to put up with a lot of the things that 
the doom and gloomers are talking about. And, yeah, I, I and I think too. that and I think that things like the climate change scam, I think people are starting to come around and realize that that some of these things are total scams. And CO2 is actually good for plants and good for crops, Absolutely, right? Yeah. Higher levels of CO2 is a good thing. And if the, the globe actually does get warmer, which I think it is, I think we're in a natural cycle of, of getting warmer that's happening over like a thousand years. It has nothing to do with cars and factories and any of that. It's just a natural thing that's happening, but that's good. So yeah, CO2 is basically a good thing. It allows more crops to be grown all around the world. Places like Siberia, Siberia were growing crops, you know, back in the Middle Ages that they could never grow now. And so if it does actually warm like they've been talking about, and I think it is warming and it's going to be probably over 100 years time that that we're going to be a, a degree or two Celsius warmer, that's a good thing by any metric. That's a good thing. It's better for people. More people die of freezing to death than die of being too warm. Mm -hmm. And also something that's not discussed during the climate scam thing is with global warming, what happens is the areas that are colder tend to warm more than like around the equator where it's hotter. So it's actually a good thing where, where it's really hot now already that kind of stays the way it is. And then the areas that are cold just get a little warmer, which right. how is this not a good thing? So so really the, the solution to all of this is Bitcoin because Bitcoin defunds all of this nonsense. There will not be any incentive for people to spread all of this FUD and do all this ridiculous uh, legislation and programs and all these things that they do because they won't be able to get the money for it. Right. I'm not going to give them any of my Bitcoin for any of these things. Yeah. And I think a lot of Bitcoiners are not going to give them their Bitcoin. And that's the, the key thing is we have to give it to them. They can't take it. So again, we've turned this whole thing on its head to where government, if you want to use that term, are just service providers for us. And we pay them based on the services that they're providing that we want. And this is the way it was originally intended. The idea of a democratic government was to serve the people. Uh, we've lost yeah, that. Yeah, when, when people. So these first, incentives, again, yeah. Bitcoin incentives bring us back to to yes. responsible governance. When people first started farming, OK, thousands of years ago. There was the first time that we had like surplus things where you might have some corn that you could save and use later on to feed the cattle or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And so you needed security because people could come around and take that because you had a surplus, right? When mm -hmm. you were living hand to mouth, just going and picking berries and eating them, you didn't have to worry about somebody taking your berries because you already ate them. Right. Yeah, right. Whereas it's kind of like how I live in, in my van as I trek across the, the world, uh, Craig. Well, that way, you don't. yeah, you don't have to worry about security in your van if you don't have anything valuable in there. Right. That's right. But as, but as soon as people started having valuable things like crops that they stored for later on or whatever, they had to form together in communities and they hired somebody to help with security. Right. Right. Here we go. Yeah. Um, and so. This is how these kinds of services came about, and it's just gotten out of control to where 
they're, it's just ridiculous. Okay, I mean, we could go through so many examples of government and how they waste money so and waste resources. Many examples. And and, right. and so what I like to say, and I've said this numerous times in the Toxic Happy Hour, is all of these people, these insurance agents, uh, lawyers, politicians, all of these people are basically bloodsuckers. They're leeches on the system. They don't provide any value whatsoever, right? An insurance company doesn't provide any value because they all they do is they act as a middleman and they make money off of the money that ultimately goes to, let's say it's health insurance, for example. The, you know, they just yeah. they just skim some money out of the system to pay all of their overhead and so on and so forth. They don't make health care any cheaper. They make it more expensive. Exactly. Right. So all of these leeches that are leeching on the system, the lawyers and so on and so forth, they're all taking pieces of deals and so on and so forth and suing people and moving money around. And all the time they're taking money out of the system. All of these people are going to have to get a real job. They're going to have to actually be productive. They're going to have to learn a skill. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's where we're headed with this whole thing is the least the the people that are not productive they ain't going to get any bitcoin because bitcoiners are only going to give up their bitcoin if they get something they really want value for value yes and it's going to have to be significant value <laughs> because that right. you're giving up your precious bitcoin it can't be some joke and you don't even right. have your designer boots left over for them to shine. So they're going to really have to work hard to find something good. That's right. They're going to have to work their butt off to get my Bitcoin. I can tell you that right now. So yeah. um, that's where we're headed. And I think it's going to be a good thing. And we were kind of like that when we were back on the gold standard and so on and so forth. You know, th things were a little bit more real and, and uh, people... You know, if you look at the, uh, some of the houses that were built in the 20s, uh, 1910s, 1920s, around that time frame, yeah. you look at the foundations that they put in those houses. You you look at the, the quality of construction. They weren't just a brick facade. They were a block behind that brick or two or yeah, three rows of brick. You had a homestead, like a they, small fortress. You they know? were actually made of masonry, right? They they were well made. Now, after so, World War so Bitcoin II, brings this back, don't you think? Yes, I mean, this it, seems to be what you're saying all along. It, it's going to bring back long-term well, thinking, uh, well-made products and services that last a long time. You know, a high-quality pair of shoes that you can get resold three or four times, right? Mm -hmm. uh, all these things are going to come back because people aren't going to want to buy the junk. Because they're not going to want to give up their precious Bitcoin for that Chinese-made junk. Yeah, yeah. All right. So the, I I think it's a good thing, and I think this is where we're headed. I think the clothing that people buy will be higher quality and will be designed to last a long time. I think they'll have less of it. Um, I think they'll have less of a lot of things. Do we get rid of the Internet of Things, like the spyware that people are fr freaks me out willingly? installing into their homes dryers that spy on you and dishwashers that spy on you and Alexa yeah. to talk to you. Yeah, and, I mean, and a your lot car, of people, like a Tesla has a cloud computer yeah, well, system to, it's crazy to me. Yeah. Well, again, I, I think that that's all, a lot of that is just a low interest loan. You know, I can get a 2% two, 2 loan and I can buy this car with all these bells and whistles 
uh, you know, money for nothing. Right. And, and I'll just, Oh, $600 a month. Yeah. I'll pay that for 15 years or whatever. I mean, people are just not thinking and people are making stupid decisions. And I think that those people are, are not going to do well on a Bitcoin standard. I think they're going to have to change their way of thinking and their way of operating on a Bitcoin standard, because a lot of the things they're doing now uh, under the fiat standard is not going to work. All right. So yes, a lot of those things are going to go away. Now, as far as some of these services on the internet, like I use Gmail and I don't mind that they know all my emails and all of that because I, but you're aware and you would only send something that you mean, I I don't really care. I mean, and I don't really care that Amazon knows the stuff that I buy and they know my buying habits and stuff. I mean, big deal. Okay. If they, they get off on that, then that's fine for them. Right. Right, As long as I get the services that I want for the price that I'm willing to pay, then I'm good with that. It's a deal. It's a two-way street, right? I'm, I'm accepting their free email service. And I know there are trade-offs to that, right? Is this our modern day equivalent of what used to be the party line for the telephone back in the day? Um, a lot of the younger crowd wouldn't know about mm-hmm. this, but there used yeah. to be a community phone line and everybody yeah. within their individual homes would pick up and just sort of make sure the line was clear. So you it had a different it. ring. Yeah. It had a different ring for Joe Schmo would get a ring. You'd have a different ring and you pick up. Yeah. But I mean, it's just, all I'm saying is people complain about a lack of privacy, but here's the thing. If you're on the internet, you don't have any privacy. Forget about it. That ship is sailed. So now what you need to do is you need to s- decide, is it worth it? The service that I'm choosing to use, I thought that's how I use Twitter. Mm-hmm. I'm using that service. Is what I'm getting out of using that service worth whatever privacy I'm giving up, which is a lot? And, and in my case, I say yes, because I don't care. I live in public anyway. People know my name. They don't know where I live but they know my name. They they know a lot of things about me because I've been living in public for a long time. I've been, my business has been internet based. Sure. I deal with a yeah. lot of businesses. I, I, you know, they know who I am. And so I can't hide it. And once you can't hide it, then everybody might as well know, right? Yeah. I mean, once it's out, once the information's out, it's out. So it's very hard to be totally stealth on the internet. Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. I'm not going to try to put all the energy necessary into doing that because first of all I can't anyway because it's already out there. Um, I, yeah, I've been on the internet since 1994. Okay, so mm-hmm. trust me, everything's out there. <laughs> right. um, yeah. So so I don't really worry about it. I think I think people and this is one point I do want to make before we wrap up. A lot of people worry about a lot of things that are just minutia and that maybe they can't do anything about it and maybe worrying about it is not going to help them in any way, shape or form, but they're worried about it anyway. Right. Sure. Like I'm, I'm not guilty. really, I'm guilty of that. I, I, I'm not really worried about the war in Ukraine because I can't stop the idiots from sending money over there and fighting that silly war and, and, and potentially pushing us into a nuclear conflict with Russia. I can't stop any of that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to worry with what I can do. And that one thing I can do for sure right now is stack as much Bitcoin as possible. Buy Bitcoin. And have, a, and have a go bag 
and have a plan for if I have to, you know, go to El Salvador or whatever, ha have some plans, okay? And do what I can. And, and, and I don't mind educating people about some of these things, some of my concerns and so forth, but I'm not going to burn a lot of horsepower on it because it isn't going to increase my stack of Bitcoin. My main focus is increasing my stack of Bitcoin as fast as possible, because I think the window of opportunity for buying cheap Bitcoin is closing. I think in the next couple of years, we're going to look back at $20,000 Bitcoin and say, why in the hell didn't we buy a bunch of it? Why didn't we buy more? That's what most people are going to say. I'm not going to say that because I'm already buying as much as I possibly can. So, so I think that should be job one. And a lot of these other things that people are worried about that they have no real control over, that's wasted energy that could be put into increasing that stack of Bitcoin. There you go, folks. Uh, you know where the man stands. And uh, I would really like to thank you, Craig, for spending your uh, valuable time with me today. Um, I'm coming you uh, coming to you from, from the beach uh, okay. The Gulf of Mexico. And there you go. Uh, kind of a rainy day today, but nonetheless, it is a beautiful setting to sit here and have a wonderful conversation with somebody that I'm learning more and more about every week. Uh, so once again, folks, I'd like to rem remind you, you can uh, often hear Craig Ship on uh, Bitcoin Toxic Happy Hour. That's on Twitter spaces uh, daily. Do you know the time? 2 p.m. Eastern time, USA Eastern time with your hosts, uh, Pub Lord and Anders. And also don't forget about craigship.com. That's craigship with two Ps.com slash Bitcoin. It's a handy guide with uh, videos and uh, links and uh, all kinds of uh, useful things for the beginner uh, all the way through to expert. Is, is that a fair summation? There's a lot of information on that page, <laughs> no mm -hmm. doubt. <laughs> right on. And uh, is there anything you'd like to leave us with uh, in terms of your links or other things of note? No, no, no. I just think that it's all good. I mean, the more people learn about this, if your podcast, if we only reach one person that chooses to really learn about Bitcoin and embraces Bitcoin, and then they, in turn, help educate one person. One person at a time is how this whole thing is going to grow. And yeah. so, you know, if we just focus on educating people. Dude, and that's how I got in. I remember, you know, listening to man back in 2017, who was it? I mean, I saw RT with Max Kaiser. That really inspired me to hear somebody who had been a <laughs> Wall Street veteran uh, and talk about financial uh, macro in in terms that the common man could understand uh it really fired me up uh yep. antonopoulos was another guy yep. who i'm like yep. man this is wild and, and so i know that person you speak of today is out there listening yes. right now just like we were at some point absolutely it's, it's life-changing man yep well awesome. keep doing what you're doing uh and, and enjoy the golf i'll i'll be down there um my my house in sarasota is on the gulf of mexico Beautiful. And so I'll be down there as well. And um, yeah, just just keep doing what you're doing. And like I say, stack as much Bitcoin as fast as you can. That's the thing. Hey, man, everybody have a great one. Thanks so much, Craig Ship. You enjoy the rest of your day. You do. Take care.